Good morning from Porto, Portugal. <laughs> uh, I just arrived here in uh, Porto last night, um, coming from Munich and spending the, the weekend in Vienna uh, with my, my lovely friend Anicia. Um, we recorded a, uh, an amazing podcast, you guys, and I'm really um, excited to share it with you and really excited to um, allow her voice to be heard. Um, she is a, a magical and an amazing human, and um, I think that um, with her being able to um, have a platform to share her insights of her explorations um, of this existence, um, is super valuable and I really hope that everyone enjoys it yeah um, I met Anicia in Thailand when I was doing a a three-week long Tantra course and um, Tantra um, I know people are mostly familiar with Tantra from um, the um, sexual aspect of Tantra uh, however there are um, a you know, a lot of schools of thought and a very deep tradition. Some say the deepest tradition um, is rooted in the philosophy of Tantra. And the you know, Tantra, from my perspective, is a way to bring everything in our life um, to be intentionally, intensely conscious. And with consciousness and love, you know anything is um, possible and you know with applying those two concepts we can you know pull as much life and as much beauty and as much purity as we can uh, from this existence so um, we get into you know what Tantra means to us and how both of our lives were totally and irrevocably changed um, by Tantra and you know, trying to make a case to explore it. Um, we touch on um, our experience in Tantra, her experience with exploring um, sexuality and female empowerment, and um, her uh, research and um, furthering the exploration and the conversation around the two, um, which are super, super important. Um, and we get into um, our travels through uh, uh, Thailand and India. Uh, we both thoroughly enjoyed Thailand and in, in India. Like we, I didn't want to leave Thailand, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it was fantastic. I had a really um, enjoyed my time there. And India was just a um, life-altering experience a five week long slow trip <laughs> um, it was incredible you know and I can't um, say enough about how important and how valuable I, I find being able to go to these places and um, really reform our reality um, and how it exists um, I've been thinking a lot about our reality with social media in the past 10 months, you know, what that means to me and, you know, I go back and forth from wanting to 
completely remove myself from social media and wanting to connect deeply and intensely with everyone and everyone and anyone on social media you know and like it's a um, a really valuable technology and a really valuable tool um, that I feel from my explorations that we're using totally unconsciously there are ways to you know use that media consciously and ways to explore what that means I think that we can explore that you know and I'm interested in exploring that and last night I sat down and you know wrote down a set of uh, personal standards that I'm going to apply to social media and um, I think that you know with you know us exploring a different path of social media I think it could you know, potentially allow us to use that tool consciously um, I think it's possible I think that if we set the intention to you know change our habits with social media I think that we can have um, a healthy relationship with social media um, you know, it's, a, it's like establishing a, sol a, a healthy relationship with any substance you know and with cannabis I've lost myself a few times and developed unhealthy patterns and with food I've developed unhealthy patterns you know with uh, anything and everything I have developed unhealthy patterns you know because I do things pretty intensely um, I however think that you know we can do these things intensely um, as long as we apply consciousness to them and we do them intentionally as well so I'm just gonna run through like a few notes I wrote down for my um, ideal standard of social media um, no scrolling I mean like scrolling I, I just don't see like the ability to scroll in a intentional way I just don't think it's possible I think the whole concept of scrolling was developed to keep us engaged on social media for as long and as unconsciously as possible if you're scrolling through it's just, it's just such an insane concept I mean like let's, let's remove ourselves you know 10 years you know in the past or present I'm sorry the past or future and think about like how yourself in 10 years before or after would perceive us scrolling on the internet mindlessly you know how do you how do we think that we would perceive some person mindlessly scrolling on social media and how I mean how would that be perceived by them would that be perceived as valuable as a something that enhances their lives I, I don't I don't I don't I just don't think so you know I don't think that scrolling news articles or political articles or trying to find things to be mad about or things to compare your life to or things to you know bring us out of the the, the presence of reality um, how that's helping us in any way you know I, I feel that social media should be more of a, a website you know something that you know holds who you are and something that allows you to engage
consciously with your peers um, and people that you value. And I think we're not doing that. I just think that we're mindlessly scrolling to get just enough information to prevent us from doing a, a deep dive into anything, into reading, into watching film, into communicating with each other deeply. And these are just my own personal observations. These are not, you know, I don't feel like these observations are, you know, um, across the board um, of how social media works. You know, for example, I believe that, you know, everywhere outside of the U.S. has a much healthier relationship with social media. And I can confidently say that after traveling for the last 10 months to fucking everywhere, <laughs> you know, like I've been all around the world, you know, with the exception to South America and Central America. And um, I, I imagine, you know, I can imagine, you know, what that feels like there now after traveling to Asia and India and Bali and all kinds of fun and, you know, amazing places. And I can imagine like how their relationship differs from the one in the United States, you know, and from my perception, the one in the United States is just so out of control and it's just, it just bums me out. <laughs> it bums me out so hard. Uh, it's hard to even talk about, to be honest, you know, and I, I, I left the U.S. because I felt, you know, there was a disconnect between the people, you know, and I feel like that's reality. For me, you know, I feel disconnected, you know, in the U.S., you know, and I feel much more connected in places like Thailand and India and so far Portugal, and um, it feels great, you know, and it feels really, really amazing, and um, I don't know if I was just going through my own personal nonsense before I left the U.S., which I for sure was, or if the U.S. as a whole is going through some form of identity crisis, you know, and I think that, you know, we are. I think that, you know, the U.S. is trying to find itself, you know, amongst all the ever-growing and ever-evolving technology that's being produced in the U.S. And, you know, what we do in the U.S. is, you know, the standard for a lot of the, a lot of the world, and it's also a precautionary tale for you know, a lot of the world, you know, we're beta testing all this technology, you know, and we're, we're the first ones to use all these different forms of media, you know, we're the ones that do it super, super intensely and everyone else learns, you know, from our lessons <laughs> and how we fuck up and how we misuse, you know, all these different forms of media. And um, I, I think we've beta tested it enough. I think we understand the draw and the pull and the power of social media. I think we can understand it to the point to where we can now use it consciously. We can now understand like, okay, yeah, it's not appropriate to scroll endlessly on social media. That does not enhance or benefit my life. And I think, you know, as far as messages go, um, they should be the main line for relevant information, you know, and I'm, I'm a creative, I write books and I'm, you know, getting into the podcast realm and like, I'm solely reliant on my friends and supporters to 
um, get my messages out to the world. You know, I don't market myself. I don't. I send messages uh, with things I'm working on and hope they're received and hope they're shared and hope they are getting out and reaching the proper channels. But there's no way for me to make sure that happens other than putting, you know, my faith in humanity and my faith in my friends and family and supporters of all the um, insane things that I take on, you know, and I, I, it takes, you know, a community to enhance, you know, where we're at, you know, it takes deep connections to allow us to feel at peace, you know, it takes us creating our tribe and maintaining that tribe. Um, we are not maintaining any tribes anymore from my perspective. Um, and there are exceptions to the rule, of course, but I believe that you know, the main line of society in the U.S. is divisive. You know, like we are just playing it so super cool in a situation that is just like not fucking cool <laughs> you know like where where we are at and where we could be as a society is it's a huge gap between the two and it is possible to you know, to use our human potential to the most of its ability and i just think we're not doing it unfortunately and i think that that has a lot to do with, um, you know, the programming of our society. You know, we're we are programmed since birth. You know, with you know, with religion, with cartoons, with commercials, with media, with advertisements, with the structure of our daily lives. It's all programming. You know, and everything that we are programmed with is to perpetuate the, the more minority rather than the majority, you know, and we have to take the time to sit with this programming and meditate with it and make a conscious decision if we want to resonate with that programming or not. Do we want to live our lives unconsciously and follow the status quo? And do we want to ignore the issues that we could face head on, you know, and that's something that I am no longer doing. I am facing a lot of challenges head on and um, it's painful and it hurts and it's powerful and it's beautiful and it's, it's making me shiver and it's making me cry and it's making me more grateful and more appreciative of life than I've ever been. It's challenging. It's so, so challenging. Like, life is so hard, you know, like, and it doesn't need to be so hard. There's no reason for it. There's no reason for our lives to be so challenging, you know, and like, I assume that I'm not the only one that's having these challenges, you know, like I assume that because there are people committing suicide and having issues with mental health um, all around me. <clears throat> I think there's a path 
for redemption for us as Americans. I think as Americans we have the duty to set the standard for what it could be for the rest of the world. You know, we have a lot of freedom in America, you know, a lot of freedom that allows us to explore reality really intensely and really flippantly in a lot of times and really unconsciously. If we however bring consciousness into the intensity that is America, if everyone can agree to, you know, do things intentionally and do things rather than from the programming of a outside source, but from the programming from the internal source and like knowing exactly what that means and knowing exactly what it means to knowing what your source power and what your source energy is, you know, is super important. And, and having the luxury to explore that power and to explore that energy for um, close to, you know, 10 or 11 months now has been so enlightening, you know, in, in so many ways. You know, and I, I do these things because I... I want to explore life intensely and to report back to how that feels, you know, and I understand and appreciate that not everyone has the, the, the luxury to explore things as I explore them. I take that responsibility seriously and I do these things because I want to further the conversation around them and I want to raise the frequency of our society and I want to help improve um, where we're headed and help steer that direction in the most positive and the most conscious direction that I, I possibly can and I think that if we agree to you know bring some consciousness into our lives and to find tools and practices that allow us to bring these things into our lives and explore them in a very intentional way and can really have a huge and powerful impact on society. And that's just, those are just my humble observations of exploring these things obsessively. <laughs> I spend, you know, most days traveling and reading and writing and listening and trying to find a, um, a idealistic reality to live in and try to know what ideal means and ideal does not mean to me is owning more things than I need and taking more than I give you know ideal to me is you know giving more than I take and sharing love and receiving love and exploring life intensely and consciously and um, the more I can perpetuate that ideal and the more I can share that ideal with others and help I'd, I help those others to explore that idea themselves the more our core frequency as a society will raise and um, 
And that's what I'm dedicated to. That's what this podcast is about. That's what my, my book, Meditate or Die, is about. And I understand that reading 500 pages um, <laughs> is challenging. It's a challenging undertaking, you know? And like uh, for my first book club last year, I chose it <laughs> to read. Yeah, so I appreciate uh, a challenging read. Um, but I wrote my book um, with the intention to you know, raise our frequency as a society. And I feel that if whomever takes the time to read those pages, I think they will gain a, a larger perspective of the, the global community and how we can use the, the lessons of our past and our present teachers to help raise our frequency and help make our lives intensely conscious, blissful, present, amazing lives that they can be rather than making life much harder than it needs to be. So, um, meditate or die reading that, I understand. It's a huge undertaking. Um, however, if you would like to take that on, I think that um, it would uh, greatly enhance your life and it'd be mildly entertaining, I hope. <laughs> okay, so that is it for me. Um, I will get back to the interview and get into it. And um, thank you so much for everyone that takes the time to listen to these podcasts and read my rants and sharing love and energy with me. I truly, truly, truly appreciate it. And um, keep bringing the, the frequency and challenging the status quo. And I think together we can um, raise the bar a bit. All right. Much love, guys. Peace. All right. <laughs> okay. This is uh, Kurt Bean playing the character of Odin in this fictional sketch comedy. Uh, and joining me today is my my lovely partner here, Anicia Rabu. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. So uh, me and Anicia met in Thailand at a, a tantra course, and um, a course that was uh, really influential for me and um, in a lot of really amazing ways. And um, I think it was for you as well. It totally changed my life. It opened myself for a new world and it showed me what I want to do in the future and it connected me with you, with all these amazing people and um, yeah, I would go again if I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what is, what is your, your background? Um, where are you from and uh, what got you interested in um, exploring Tantra? Well, so um, my name is Anicia. I am. I live currently in Germany. Um, I'm from Romania, and um, I just did a one year of traveling and exploring the world. And um, when I left, I didn't know what I want to do with my life, and I was just bored and annoyed of the perfect life in Germany. And um, 
yeah, one day I decide I'm just going to go and, and see the world and see if I can find myself. I know it's a cliche. Everyone says I'm going to go and travel the world and see if I can find something else in my life. So I did it. And for many months, I was just traveling like a tourist, um, doing sightseeing and just drinking and partying. And um, I was not satisfied. I was I was happy. I was living the perfect life, but I was not fulfilled. And one day while I was in Vietnam, I was sitting in front of a computer and I was like, okay, I still have some money. I want to do some courses now. And in Facebook, this Tantra course just popped out. It's like, okay, I think I want to do this. And I just signed up for the course. And um, yeah, I, um, I went in with the intention of not talking to anyone, just learning a little bit of Tantra. I didn't even know what it is. Um, I just thought it's, an, you know, when you do Tantra, you just meet with some other guys and girls and just do an orgy <laughs> in the class. <laughs> and, um, yeah, then we just had lots of theory and I realized, oh my gosh, Tantra could change my life. And, um, I remember we had that female day where we learned about, um, the anatomy of the body and the anatomy of the arousal. I was like, I my whole life I thought I'm super sexual but actually I don't know anything about myself and about my body and then I just started reading books and watching YouTube videos and um, I realized I totally want to go on this path and on the path of sexuality which if my mom could hear this she would be like no I'm so ashamed because <laughs> I grew up in a very conservative family um, yeah Romania 20 years ago was very conservative. I can imagine now it's still the same. But yeah, so um, I grew up with the idea that sex is something bad. Um, I should be ashamed if I kiss a guy or if I fuck with him. Um, well, <laughs> and I know it's not like that. And I know something has to change in the world. And um, I know how much this course and this information helped me to just you know live a different life um and i want to do the same for other girls in the future how do you see tantra um changing the world and, and if you could describe tantra in like a a brief sentence that could break it down for people who are, are not familiar with tantra you know how would you describe it mm, so tantra i would say it's a way of living it's a it's a lifestyle and for the people that commit to it it's um it's life-changing because you you dive into the spirituality but not as a juju religion thing it's it's about living your life consciously but also intense um it's about meditating it's about being conscious about the food that you eat the people that you talk to about your thoughts and your emotions, about um, giving and receiving love, and of course about sexuality, um, about getting to know your body better. Um, yeah. How do, how do you feel that could help influence the world in a, in a positive way? Well, imagine if we would be if we would give love to each other more it doesn't matter if it's your partner if it's your family or 
just the girl next door um, just living more in love and more conscious about our actions our thoughts and our feelings I think this is what Tantra is about totally yeah yeah, and so as far as uh, you know, woman empowerment and uh, the female anatomy and, you know, what you've been learning recently, you know, what would you tell, you know, um, other females that, you know, haven't really explored that genre yet and other males also about, you know, how they can be more intentional with their bodies and how males can be more intentional with, you know, working with the female anatomy? Hmm. I think the first step in this process is, um, as they thought uh, us in Tantra, is to put a finger on the map and say, okay, I have to be very honest to myself. Where am I at now um, regarding sexuality, right? Because in Tantra, they, they say you should um, take a moment and see where, you, where you're at in every um, area of your life doesn't matter if it's family or relationships or career or whatever you should be honest to yourself in the first place if you want to evolve um, and for sexuality is the same just take a moment and ask yourself where I'm at right now um, not thinking about your partner if you're in a relationship just say okay um, am I happy with me myself my body right now or not and I'm sure in 99% of the cases we are not um, second ask yourself what do you wish right now and um, is it a better body image is it a better um, sexual life um, what do you want right now and to understand that maybe to have no idea where you are right now because you know we have role models um, we have teachers and coaches for everything for your career you know this um, curses how to get a better career in 10 steps how to get a new job in five steps how to do this and that but we certainly don't have a coach to teach us how to get a better sexuality and we didn't have coaches or teachers to tell us what's the anatomy of our genitals um, we are really ashamed about you know just talking about sex <laughs> makes us blush and um, I remember a few days ago I was at work and I was talking to a colleague of mine and I was telling her a little bit about what I want to do and she would just turn around every two minutes to see if there is someone that knows us behind us that could hear us talking about sex and not not even um, us talking it was just me having a monologue and she was so ashamed and she's not the only one at least where I live in Germany you know it's a paradox because people are very ashamed talking about sex but on the other side they do all this kinky stuff and I was a part of it <laughs> um, going to these sex clubs and doing uh, I don't think it's appropriate to talk <laughs> about it but you know think you would think like oh my gosh is this even possible it's like 
like fucking like animals and um, all these crazy practices. Um, so yeah, then I asked myself why, why, you know, on the one side um, we are so ashamed, uh, we do crazy things, but we are still not fulfilled, and we are always aiming for more and crazier and harder and why because we don't have those teachers to tell us hey whatever whatever your fantasies are whatever you are aiming for this is normal you're a sexual person you don't have to be ashamed of your sexuality and um yeah we we just need a teacher to tell us we need books to to learn from and yeah just Enroll in a course and see, first of all, learn about your body. Learn about what's down there, you know. Uh, be okay with using sexual words. You know, what's the worst thing that you can say to a girl when you're a man on her? You can't, right? Mm-hmm. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Um, around female sexuality, there's so much negativity. Um, like, yeah, when you want to insult someone, you use those words, like like in German, for the German listeners, um, Fotze, it's like can't, you know, mm-hmm. it's so bad, so bad, mm-hmm. why? But when you want to insult someone, you don't say, your penis, it's like, yeah. you know? We say dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. in German, when you want to insult someone, you just use lots of female, female words, mm. but you don't say, you schwanz, it's like, hmm. Okay. Sure. Um, so this, we have so much, yeah, negativity just around female sexuality, but not around men. And um, yeah, learn about your body. Learn about um, about your body parts. For example, I don't know. Now you know, because I teach you. But mm-hmm. you know, the clitoris. Most of the women we think that our clitoris is just that small button uh on your vulva Mm -hmm. um and well it's not your clitoris is around 10 15 times bigger than what you see on the on the outside it has legs (laughs) (laughs) it goes around your vagina and it has erectile tissues like like your dick right Mm -hmm. so when we get aroused it does the same that your dick does and when you get a vaginal orgasm it's not because you have so many um nerving endings in your vagina it's because your clitoris also um so you're kind of like having vaginal clitoris orgasm something like that so you know it's good to know all these things and it's also good to know that most of the women they just go for most of them they don't even have a clit orgasm most of their lives they think they cannot have an orgasm which i also thought for many years um well a clit orgasm was never the problem for me um but having any other orgasm i just thought okay you can have either a clit orgasm which i can have or a vaginal orgasm and i thought a vaginal orgasm is the same as squirting which is not (laughs) (laughs) and um, I remember my best friend would always uh, tell me that she had this amazing organ I was like oh my god I want that too 
but I was 150% sure that I cannot have that. So it was just a story for me. And that was, after a while, I was just okay. I was okay with not having an orgasm because I thought this is the way I am. And then going to this Tantra course and learning about different types of orgasms and learning that every woman can have that. I was, I was fascinated. And um, yeah, now I know that you can have orgasms everywhere in your body. Um, I was reading a book recently and they were saying as a woman you can have over 170 types of orgasms, which is crazy. On the other side, I wouldn't guide myself with numbers because this puts a lot of pressure on us women again you know this is this is one of our biggest problems we put so much pressure on ourselves because ah you know the society told us um we are multitasking we have we're good at running a business taking care of the family taking care of the children uh performing in bed and being the best and lots of times we're just not we're human as you men are we're we we have our needs too and we women we don't prioritize our needs especially our sexual needs um because we just learned that after the family the children the business the friends and everyone is okay maybe at the end of the day we are going to have five minutes for us to just take a shower maybe not even that and um well it's not like that because if you're sexual fulfilled then you have so much more energy for everyone else in your life but like you were telling me you have to put your oxygen mask first on you and then on the others um so i think i forgot your question (laughs) (laughs) no it's totally fine yeah, so like uh, for advice for men, you know, how would you, how, what would you, advice would you give to men to uh, be more intentional and more conscious when they are interacting with women mm-hmm. in a non-sexual way and a you know, sexual way? First of all, understand that men and women don't function the same way. Um, we are in, you are young. And uh, we both have yin and yang parts in ourselves, but you men are more young than women. We women are young. So um, our female body doesn't function as yours. Um, Forget everything that you saw in porn. Forget the idea that if you come together and you're going to kiss her twice, you're going to suck at her boobies for like two minutes and you're gonna lick her clit for another one minute that she's gonna get super aroused you can penetrate her in the next three minutes and hard and fast so she's gonna scream and she's gonna be super happy and then she's gonna come after five minutes and the best thing you're gonna come together and you're gonna dive into a blissful state of mind and then you're gonna sleep fall asleep together and no like a, like a Hollywood movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, this is not the way things work. And you men have to have more compassion with your with your woman. You have to ask her, hey, 
what do you need and one important thing is not to feel insolvent and not to feel like you're not worthy enough when she's going to tell you what she needs um it requires lots of courage for her especially if you're in a relationship for a few years now um it's it's hard if you were if you programmed each other for years to have this kind of sexual relationship you know and you think everything is fine because like you were telling me yesterday men always think it's okay for them it's good it doesn't matter what you do or most of the times doesn't matter what you do to your men as a woman they're just gonna feel okay right pleasure yeah yeah so um just to understand um okay as a woman you are so much more complicated because we are just designed different than men and um ask her hey what do you need am i doing this right where can i support you and as a woman just to be also very compassionate and not giving her an, uh, him an instructor manual you know um just telling him hey i'm exploring these new things would you be up for exploring this with me and see where it brings us um and also as a woman understand that men because we women <laughs> and i had this lots of time myself i would just start this new thing with this new guy and i would expect him to do whatever this other partner did to me in the past that gave me an, an orgasm or just you know uh, brought me in a deep state of pleasure and as soon as he would do something that my mind would associate with not pleasure i would get pissed or i would just shut off my mind i would be like oh no if he does this then I'm not gonna be, uh, become aroused or I'm not gonna get an orgasm. Um, so just be, just be nice to your man and just tell him, let's just explore this together. And, or just go to a course, go to a Tantra course and mm -hmm. learn about that. There are so <coughs> many workshops all around the world that you, mm -hmm. can, that you can do. Um, read books. Mm -hmm. And um, the most important thing is for, each and one of you to do the work on yourself first because if you don't know what you do or if you what you want as a woman because I'm talking about women right if you don't know what you want what's your body about uh, what makes you horny and what not then you cannot want this from your man you, you cannot expect him to do the work you cannot expect to um, after a day of work and stress come back home and be super annoyed and super stressed and expect him to arouse you and to yeah, give you an orgasm if you cannot give an orgasm to yourself totally let's talk about and, and tantra you know one thing that we both really resonate with is eye gazing mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we literally can't sit across from one another <laughs> because we'll lock into eye gazing and it'll be awkward for everyone around us. And, um, but it allows us to be very connected and it allows us to have this inner dialogue that keeps us, you know, um, present in each other. And, um, you know, let's maybe talk about like how eye gazing can help influence relationships, um, with couples and with just 
um, normal, you know, relationships with friends and family. I think I think it's amazing. Um, I never did eye gazing with another guy before you, and I can say, at least in my opinion, we just had amazing sex sessions after right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's crazy how eye gazing connects each other. It connects us to a deeper level, and um, we we don't take this time anymore to eye gaze. It doesn't matter if it's your if it is with your partner or with your friends um, it just brings us in the present moment um, it doesn't allow you to think about the bills or something else or something that you did in the past because you're just looking at each other and you see so deep into each other's souls and you see the person as it as he or she really is as as a god as something special because we are all special we just don't take the time anymore to in germany it's such a weird thing to to look more than one second into each other's eyes um yeah and on a relationship level it's it's very very important um you you could start as just like two or three minutes just start with one minute of eye gazing before lovemaking it connects you so deeply and I remember especially at the beginning we were doing so much eye gazing that like 20 minutes <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly that I remember once you're like oh no I like in, in the middle of the left making you're like I need to connect with you again because I, I feel we are not connected anymore sure, sure. <laughs> so um, yeah more eye gazing is more connection and just just do the experiment go to work and when you have the opportunity to meet a new person just shake hands and look into each other's eyes you're gonna say how uncomfortable the other person is because we are not used to this anymore sure. we are considered as freaks if we make eye contact for more than one minute mm. even one minute is challenging <laughs> even one minute right sure yeah so the only area where I can see that people are comfortable with eye gazing is, you know, all these conscious um, tribes, all these nomads traveling around the world, people doing yoga, because they, they, they start learning it again. Um, yeah, but... Let's talk about <coughs> yoga and meditation. You know, how is um, yoga and meditation, you know, playing a, a role in your life right now? Mm. To be very honest, I'm trying to do yoga every day um, as much as I can. Um, I I just don't have the time right now because um, I just came back from this travel, and um, <coughs> I'm trying to do some other stuff. But meditation, I meditate every day. I do 15 minutes of pranayama. Talk about pranayama. Um. So pranayama for those who don't really know what it is it's breath work and you have all these different techniques um, I just choose the basic one uh, which is supposed to clear all the naris naris are the energy centers in your body so mm. you have over a, I don't remember I think thousands of energy centers but you have three main ones 
um, the left one, the right one and your spine and in order to clean the most important one, the spine, um, you have to start with the left and the right um, energy centers and you do it uh, through your nostrils and um, yeah so I'm doing 50 minutes of pranayama every day um, and then I go into meditation um, which is for me many different types of meditation but I choose to do uh, what I learned in my Vipassana course the 10 days <laughs> crazy talk about yeah, oh my yeah, gosh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a crazy one um in, so in, insight meditation right vipassana yeah mm -hmm. yeah so you don't use any external factors you don't use music or visualization nothing what you do is body screening so you just sit in a comfortable position you close your eyes and um you just do body screening you start with your toes going up to your head or you can start with your head going down and you just feel how your body feels that day and because um, in vipassana they say um, you have your consciousness and your subconscious and um, your subconscious is trying to um, give you hints every second of your life about what's happening inside of you but because when you are awake, you are driven by your conscious mind and your conscious mind is just 5%, it just has 5% of the power and your subconscious mind is 59, uh, 95%, um, you cannot really know what's happening inside of you. So through body screening, you just sharpen your focus and um, it helps you connect with your subconscious mind so all these subtle, subtle feelings that you have in your body that you don't really perceive um, during the day are that channel to your subconscious mind so when you do body screening you you're connecting with your subconscious mind um, yeah and meditation helped me so much to be even though the people that know me, um, they think <laughs> it, meditation doesn't really help because I'm still like, have lots of energy and I'm loud and I'm I talk too fast and wherever um, my inner state changed a lot. I'm I'm more aware. I'm more calm. I am just happier and I see life different. More present. Yeah, I'm more present, and um, it's amazing. And after I met you, before I met you, I would meditate um, on a regular basis, but not every day. I would just, I, I would just, I wouldn't prioritize that. Mm. And then I met you, and I realized how much meditation helped you. And um, I was like, oh shit, I want to do that too. And um, I don't know how how meditation did help you. Um, yeah, meditation um, really changed how I saw the world, you know, and um, inside my monkey brain, you mm. know, there was endless things going on always, you know, and being able to have the, the skill set to quiet that monkey brain was so valuable to me, you know, it's like, I equate it to 
you know, Professor X <laughs> in, in the X-Men, you know, and he has this, this power to be able to, like, hear what's going on always, you know, and it used to drive him completely insane, you know, uh, to the point where he would take drugs to numb himself, to not be able to hear those voices, you know, and then once he learned how to harness that power and to use that power, he was able to, you know, quiet those voices and really focus on the things that really mattered, you know, and that's what I equate meditation to is like being able to quiet those voices that um, are not relevant at the time and really focus on being present and really focus on, you know, what is relevant and what it, what does truly matter at this moment in time. So I can be fully in it rather than half in and half out, you know, and you know, being able to have meditation, you know, with me as I travel has allowed me to be grounded and allowed me to feel at home everywhere I go, you know, and before this trip, I couldn't even fathom, you know, traveling to all the different places I've gone to in this year, especially solo um, on my own. And, you know, having meditation has allowed me to, you know, really be comfortable as much as I possibly can. And, in situations where um, normally I would not feel comfortable. So, yeah, meditation has, yeah, totally changed my life in the best of ways. And that's why I, um, you know, write what I write. And, you know, that's why we're talking about what we talk about because I feel it is very important to acknowledge. And I think that, you know, everyone can benefit from bringing a bit more mindfulness into their daily existence. Mm. Yes. Exactly. So with um, with Tantra, um, is there anything else that you wanted to uh, talk about um, in that realm? Well, so one thing that I want to say is for everyone to do their own research. Because I, um, I tried to talk to some friends about Tantra in Germany and they don't even know what Tantra is. They associate this word with more like negative um, feelings so I want to invite everyone to do their research to go to some classes um, to understand that you can incorporate Tantra in your day-to-day -day life um, Tantra is a lot about awareness and love and I definitely think that we need more love in our lives and also to understand that Tantra could be a good start for a better sexuality and um yeah yeah and I, I would just add to that that you know all tantra is not created equal just as all yoga is not created equal mm -hmm. and that there are different teachers and different courses that are more pure and uh, of the philosophy of tantra um, and that there are some courses that are based um, solely in the sexuality of Tantra, you know, and if you are interested in more of the philosophy and more of the practices that, you know, push one to be more conscious in daily existence, that is available. And if you're interested in exploring more of the sexuality, um, that is available. And mm -hmm. the course that we did with Mahasita um, in Chiang Mai, Thailand is um, they have schools all over the world um, unfortunately not as much in the US but all over the world are Mahasita schools and that school and those teachers uh, Uriel and Blandine um, I would 
highly recommend um, to anyone in the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's talk about our travels. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, me and Anicia, we traveled. Um, so I, we did Tantra uh, course one together. And then I went on to do two and three. And she went on to Australia. And I went on to Vietnam. And we met back up um, five weeks later in Bangkok. And um, let's talk about uh, Bangkok. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that was crazy. Especially because... I love Bangkok. I don't know why. I spent there, I think, over two weeks um, with my mom, with you, with some other friends, and everyone hates it. I'm the <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one who loves it. And, um, well, it's, it's big. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Bangkok um, just, I don't know. I think it... I don't know what to say for you. I, I was pretty annoyed at the beginning because I didn't, re I mean, I didn't know you that so good at the beginning. Sure. And I didn't know how you were going to react to Bangkok and you just closed yourself. I, I remember. <laughs> and, you know, I, I took it so personally. I, I thought it's because of me. Sure. It's because of us, right? So I was like, what it's the like, fuck? It's like taking someone to like your favorite movie and be like, oh, cool movie, right? And you're yeah. like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Right and yeah. yeah, this is this one thing that I learned from you. Not not taking things personally, because it's it's not it was not about me. It was about you, and it's in general in life. It's when people say things to you or do things to you, it's about them. It's about their own reality, and not about you. Totally. Um, yeah, so it was crazy, but then it got better when we went to Kapangan from there. Yeah, Bangkok was just for me like so over polluted and overcrowded <laughs> and just like. I feel like I couldn't breathe there. And then we uh, took the overnight train to Koh Phangan, um, which is an island on the east coast of Thailand. And um, in Koh Phangan, it's just a magical <laughs> place. And the contrast mm -hmm. from Bangkok to Koh Phangan was just like immediate. You could feel, I, I could feel like how relieved I was to be somewhere where I could breathe and I could see, you know, the sky and, um, and just uh, feel like the really good you know, energy of nature all around. Mm, nature is so important. Nature helps you in every situation, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're happy or sad or you have problems or you just go and have sex in the nature, mm -hmm. oh, which is amazing, the by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool. It connected you to your partner and mm -hmm. to the divine. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, unfortunately, we didn't have sex in the nature there, but it was still cool just just sitting in the nature and listening to, to the sea. And mm. ah, Kopangan was cool. Yeah, so the, the uh, Consciousness Festival we went to was really amazing. Um, we went to a German Consciousness Festival called Agapzoe. Mm. And uh, talk a little, little bit about that. Mm. It's a German festival, um, German Greek, I think. Um, it's called Agapezoi, um, and um, I heard about it from my best friend. She was there in Munich, and she told me, oh, it's amazing. It's about yoga and meditation and a little bit of Tantra and some workshops. And yeah, the people are, were great. Most of them were Germans, uh, which for me was great for, I don't know how it was, how it was yeah, for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah so we did learn a lot from like um human design the mm. one workshop that i've been to mm -hmm. which i also can recommend to everyone to research a little bit about it so you can understand a little bit better what kind of person you are mm. um they divide um the humanity in four types and anyways it's a long story but it's very interesting um laughter yoga yoga, <laughs> yoga nidra <laughs> Oh yeah, laughter yoga. Laughter was yoga cool. was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although I knew a little bit about laughter yoga, they when I was reading that book, Multi Orgasmic Women, um, they were talking about they would call it something different. I don't remember, but you kind of like do the same exercises, and oh, it's just amazing. Just forcing yourself to laugh, it sure. brings you in immediately in a happy state and um, you can do it at home you know just sit on the couch if you are ashamed to do it in front of someone else just sit by yourself and just start laughing even though you don't feel like or do the yes yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> exercise talk about the, uh, the yes yes exercise <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a lot of fun well I'm doing a course right now um, and uh, before we do exercises that feel a little bit that brings you in a sad mood you know um, because you reflect on yourself you just do those this yes yes exercise where you just raise your arms above your head and you close your eyes and then you start screaming yes 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 and as as loud as you can do, do one uh, <laughs> yes 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 yes, 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 yes. <laughs> And you do it for, I don't know, 30 seconds to one minute. One minute is an extremely long amount of time <laughs> doing that. It was so, it's, but it's so powerful and so amazing. But, but how do you feel after? Incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you feel that your body is full of life energy. Totally. And, just, you, you can, and during the exercise, you cannot stop laughing because, you know, your ego is so strong and it's just, no, I don't want to do this silly exercise. I'm not going to play myself, you know? Totally. And it's just... It's very Osho. You know, Osho does a lot of those exercises that, like, destroy the ego and do things that, you know, like, are painful, you know, to do in a, uh, a mental sense rather than a physical sense, you yeah. know? And it pushes us outside of our comfort zone and allows us to realize that it's not so serious. <laughs> Life is... Not about being serious. No, no. Yeah. What about the ego? The ego? Yeah. Mm, what do you mean? Like my <laughs> my, my, my very healthy ego? <laughs> oh, do you remember that Ayurvedic doctor that told oh, you? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was in India, which we'll get to next, um, I was I went to the Ayurvedic doctor to talk to him about uh, my uh, extreme diarrhea <laughs> that I was having on the daily. Um, and we didn't even talk about <laughs> what I was eating or like, or my stomach problems. He immediately was like, your ego is way up here, which is great <laughs> because you're able to be creative and make all these amazing things, but your expectations are also way up here. He's like, bring your expectations lower and your ego will stay the same and you'll be able to, you know, create, um, boundlessly. Yeah. <laughs> and he like, wrote me on, on a piece of paper that says, you know, like, ego high, expectations lower. <laughs> like really? A, uh, a prescription to lower my expectations. 
So yeah, I mean, ego is challenging, and that's one thing that I'm I'm constantly battling with is like how healthy my ego is, and I mean, it allows me to you know do this podcast, and it allows me to write books, and it allows me to travel, and you know be confident in what I'm doing, but it also can be very slippery, you know, and it also can you know shut me off from being able to listen to people and it can shut me off to be able to learning things. So I try to destroy my ego um, every so often and, um, you know, and try to find a, a balanced and, and healthy relationship with it for sure. Mm. I think you're on the right path. Yeah. I mean, over the past months since we know each other, you, you changed a lot in a positive way and um, you're more aware of that ego when it comes up. So I think this is the, the first step and the most important one, to be aware, like in, with everything in life. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, all, it's all about consciousness and being aware. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the same as Tantra, is making everything intentionally conscious, you know, and like having a healthy ego is good as long as that ego is conscious of, you know, how healthy it is and why it is healthy. Yeah, totally. Ego protects you for some other things in life, so you do need an ego, your personality. Totally. But when it gets out of control... You know, when you do stuff, just when you take that job, just because you want more money to buy some more stuff to show the people that you're good and that you're worthy for love or whatever, then it's not healthy anymore. Or you just hurt people just because you want to be right, just because your ego wants to be right, you know. And everyone knows the situation when you fight with your partner. And even though at some point you realize, oh, fuck, I'm not right, right, you still hold on to your idea just because you want to be right. Yeah, I do that constantly. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about India. So we went from um, Kapanyang to Goa, India. And um, Goa for me was like, I loved it, you know, mm-hmm. and like I was a bit um, hesitant uh, about it because I thought it was going to be more of a a party vibe and I was originally going there to do a DJ school um, for a month but after we met I mean we decided to travel and see more of India rather than just Goa which I am very much appreciative of um, but let's talk about the uh, the night that we were searching for our, uh, our gong bath uh, and we got lost <laughs> oh, gosh. oh so I remember that on the map on Google Maps, they were saying it's somewhere in the woods, and we were so happy to go to that gong bath. An overnight gong bath, like, for, like, 12 hours, yeah. gong, yeah. And we started walking, and suddenly we realized we are somewhere in the middle of nowhere. There there was, like, a residential area, and it was so dark, right? Because you don't really have the infrastructure in India where they have Street light lights. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I got so scared. And I remember you were like, oh, chill, you're with me. You have to embrace it. I was like, no, I don't feel good here. It was so sketchy for me. And all those dogs barking, it was so bad. I just had that. You know, as a woman, you always know you have an intuition and you know something is wrong there. And you're like, chill. And I remember at some point you were pretty mad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I had that same feeling of like, this is like sketchy and this is like not an awesome place, but I'm like, we're like both, you know, like capable individuals and we'll like handle, I'm very capable of handling myself, you know, and like I was, you know, trying to not embrace those feelings and trying to, you know, put a little well, more of a, a positive, you know, vibe out there. 
and um, your intuition was like, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> exactly. And from my experience, my intuition is never wrong. I mean, in the end, nothing happened. Um, it was quite sketchy. Yeah, yeah it was for sketchy. Sure. Yeah. But we, walk, we walked back on the beach, you know, and then we uh, uh-huh. <laughs> just ran, just randomly while we're walking, we saw the, uh, the luminescent plankton in the water, which was just incredible. Yeah, it was, it was blue and silver and all the waves coming to the beach, they would look like like fire, like blue fire tongues. And right. there's so many of them and it was so amazing. I um, saw plankton in Mexico, but it was nothing compared to this. It was so magical. It was no lights. It was yeah, just, totally. just the moonlight and just us. And it was just amazing. Yeah, it, rem- it reminded me of, you know, being in Iceland and seeing the northern lights and the aurora borealis yeah. and just how magical nature is, you know, if we allow ourselves to be present in it, you know, it's just, um, it's just so incredible. Yeah, and I remember you're like, oh, let's get in. I was like, no, you don't <laughs> go into the sea at night because yeah, all the creatures, they come up at night, right? And yeah. so you're like, no, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go in. Yeah. Yeah, so you went in. Yeah, yeah. yeah for, sure. <laughs> for sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the like the cafes and um and, and Goa and like how how beautiful they were the vegan cafes and the slow cafes. And the slow. <laughs> how slow they are. Yeah, so we've been to that slow cafe, which was for sure slow. Like forty four <laughs> forty five minutes. <laughs> like forty five minutes for like a wrap, you know? <laughs> But it was the best fucking wrap mm. I've ever had, you know. And that toast, that the, the, toast. the hemp seed toast was like. It was all made with love, for sure. You know, they were just not in yeah. a hurry. So all. for the German listeners, imagine when you go to a restaurant, to a normal restaurant here, and they do the most complex meals, wherever, and they take like 20 minutes. And if they take 25, you're always already pissed. So that toast, it was just a toast with some hemp <laughs> butter. I swear. And they took over 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. They were so cool about it, though. You know, yeah. they're like, here you go. That, like, they had, like, no, they weren't stressed about it at all, you know? Yeah. And they're like, yes, yeah, this is a slow cafe, you know? Like, <laughs> this is what we do. Yeah, and we were like, you would have to go in the backyard of some super random houses, I don't know. With wild, wild pigs. With the wild pigs. <laughs> wild pigs just cruising around. <laughs> and I remember we were sitting at a table waiting for the food, and I could see outside how the pigs are shitting in front of me. <laughs> yeah, I remember you, you looked down the alleyway, like while we were eating, there's a pig just taking a shit yeah. Down, yeah. down the alleyway yeah. with a dream catcher above, <laughs> above it. No, that, that is India, like a pig taking a shit, you know, and like a dream catcher, a magical dream catcher. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Like in Rishikesh, you know, like all these restaurants at the main street and the cows. So like, the so, a, so after Goa, we went to Rishikesh. Yeah. And um, Rishikesh. Yeah, yeah, and we spent there over a month, I think, or something like that. Uh, like four weeks, I think. Yeah. yeah. Five weeks was it? Yeah. And and there's the the main street, and there there'll be lots of restaurants at the main street, and they would have their oven on the street, basically on the street, and they would cook the, your food there, and the cows would sit, yeah, right in front of the oven, and they would shit in front of yeah. the restaurant, and it'd be super normal. Cows just run that place. Cows just run India, you know? <laughs> like, they just do, like, whatever they want, when they want. It's dope, you know? I love it. You know, just cows just chilling, you know, everywhere. Remember that ju- the jewelry shop we went into? And there's just, there's a cow just in the middle of this jewelry shop, just like... <laughs> <laughs> like people are just like shopping around yeah. the, uh, around the cow 
Yeah, and people couldn't go out anymore out of the shop because yeah. the cow would block. Yeah, just block it now. Yeah. yeah that's the, I, I live here now. Yeah, it's super normal. Mm-hmm. Or there'll be lots of traffic going to the main road because the cow would just stand w- Walking down the middle of the road. Yeah. <laughs> or not even walking, just standing just, there. Yeah, standing in the middle of the road. And people are just like, okay, we had to go around the cow now. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. India is crazy. What was your favorite caf- uh, coffee place in Goa? The Slow Cafe is my favorite in Goa. Mm. Yeah. And Rishikesh, uh, my favorite place. Um, I really like Buddha. You know, like, Buddha. B- yeah. Yeah, Buddha was like... Yeah, guys, go to Buddha. Yes, I mean, it's just a good standard one to go to. What was the other one that I really liked? Uh, the one that Amanda recommended us. Yeah. Um. Anyways, on the other side of the bridge, for those who know Rishikesh, um, Lash Manjula. Mm, yes, Manjula, the yes, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're the best cafes ever. What's the other side of Lash Manjula called? Like the... Ramjula. Ramjula, yeah. Yeah, it's not so touristy there. No. They don't really have cafes. Um, it's more quiet. Mm-hmm. Lots of babas there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the Treehouse was amazing. And you know, going there for live music, you know, mm-hmm. and like we saw the the Irish band, mm-hmm. um, the place next door to the Treehouse. I mm-hmm. forget what that was called. But yeah, the, the, the live music that was available in Rishikesh was like my one of my favorite parts, you know. And you know, <laughs> oh, remember the night that uh, we were trying to go to sleep um, across the river. And they had uh, this all-night festival going on um, on the other side of the bridge, and we literally got no sleep, you know. And t- typically, in in, in um, Rishikesh, there is, you know, everyone's asleep by like ten, you know. Like, you're walking the streets after ten. There's, there's a go- it's a ghost town, so we thought for sure that this music festival was going to be over by like midnight at the latest. And like, we literally were just laying in bed until 8 a.m. the next morning just waiting for this music to stop <laughs> it, was, it was so insane i got like two hours of sleep and yeah. i got super aggressive in the morning super aggressive <laughs> so aggressive the whole day i know yeah. i know that you then got aggressive because i was so aggressive yeah but i just couldn't be in a good mood imagine that music even though you're like 10 minutes walk from that festival it's so loud you close the windows close the door it was, it was across so the river that's why it was so loud you know yeah. and, and the, the waters like echoed the music you know and like so bad yeah let's talk about um when we went up uh to your birth for your birthday to um up in the mountains um above um Rishikesh. um yeah the that resort was amazing what was that resort called I don't remember. Yeah, it's, it's remember. a resort, like, just above uh, Rishikesh, about yeah. 3 or 4K. Yeah, and the first day was super chilled. We had a natural pool just for mm. ourselves, Yeah, which was crazy. The natural pool was insane, you know, crystal clear blue water, you know, and a small creek running into this pool, and uh, it was super cold and felt amazing. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah, and then the next day we went for a hike because the owner told us we could hike for, like, an hour and we could get to the next village. And yeah, the first part of the road was okay, and we wouldn't know where we go. And Kurt was walking in front of me, and I was like, "Are you sure you know where we go?" Yeah, for sure. Just follow me. I did not say yeah for sure. I said <laughs> I, I say this every time. You say, "Are you sure?" And I was like, "No, I have zero idea. <laughs> we're both figuring this out together." <laughs> you know, like like we're both have the same information. You know, <laughs> but yeah. So we started on this trail. And the trail like disappeared. Um, so I 
assumed that if we kept going, we would find the trail again. And then once we got to a certain point, we were so high um, trying to find this trail that we couldn't go back down. And we had to keep going up. <laughs> and um, yeah, we scaled like, you know, 2K up this mountain. And um, talk about like how that was uh, for you. I think it was this, the scariest thing I ever did. <laughs> so bad. I remember at some certain point we did rock climbing. And <laughs> I started crying. It was so terrible. You know, it was so terrible because I'm afraid of heights. You're, and you're definitely afraid of heights. <laughs> yes. I'm so afraid. I was so afraid. But imagine like having this this rock wall in front of you, and he's like, so there are no um, trees, no nothing that you could hold on to, right? And he was so. I don't know, it was so high, and he was like, you have to climb up this wall, and I was like, no, I can't, and he was like, well, there's no other option, so I was like, okay, fuck, I'm gonna die, I cannot even call my mom to tell her that I'm sorry, because I didn't have a phone. <laughs> we left our phones at the place, we're like, hey, we're yeah. gonna be present today, no phones. Yeah, so that was the right moment to have a phone with you. Yeah. Anyways, imagine how you want to climb up that, that mountain, and... There's nothing to hold on to. There's just rocks falling down all the time. Very, very, very flaky rocks. Right? Rocks yeah. that like are not stable. Because that was the path of the waterfall in yeah. the rainy season. Yeah. So there's just rocks everywhere and no no trees, no bushes. We, no we water. essentially climbed a waterfall. <laughs> that was the water. <laughs> yeah. So, well, in the end, we made it. And we made it in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, so far away. <laughs> And we walked for a while, and then we met some guys, and we were like, hey, we want to go to back to Las Manjula. And they were like, oh, yeah, it's 8K from here or something like that. So well, it's 20K, it's 20K from, like, when we got to the very top, and then, like, we got to the the, uh, the town we were at, and that was, like, 8K. Yeah. After we took the wedding bus down and hitchhiked. <laughs> yeah, because we, we, we hitchhiked, and there's there, there was no car passing by, and then there's this wedding bus and they're like hey can you can we come with you and then this guy i don't know maybe like 50 people in the bus yeah kids making yeah, yeah, yeah making music and uh screaming and dancing and then we were like can you bring us to lash Manjula? yes yes like in the asian people they always say yes to everything even though they have no idea they would just say yes mm -hmm. and they're like are you going to lash Manjula? yes of course of course yes and we ended up in the middle of nowhere in this village and there was no no bus no taxi no well there's buses that we couldn't fit on them they were so packed there's like not not another human being could fit on them yes <laughs> yeah well so that was the experience and um there's just there were a few guys they stopped for us mm-hmm very rich kids mm -hmm. and they drove like crazy i thought we were gonna die in the end we were super nauseous in Lashmandula, try to trying to eat something and just thinking about the experience. I, I remember we got to that cafe that we we, we would go to. Um, what was uh, what was the cafe called? Tatva. Tatva, yeah. Mm -hmm. We we go there every day, <laughs> and we got there and we both were like, <sighs> <laughs> we made it. We made it. <laughs> we survived. <laughs> oh man, so intense. And then at the next day, um, we did you did acid for the first time. Do you want to talk yes. about that? Yes. Yeah. So we so I had some um, acid left over from um, Goa that I took, um, and so it was a 300 microgram tab, and I gave you the other half, which is 
150 micrograms. Mm. And um, the whole idea was, was your birthday <laughs> and that we were going to have the best day ever, you know. So I did a, uh, a little bit of MDMA and you did the um, 150 micrograms of acid and we had the best day ever. <laughs> yeah, such a crazy day. Yeah, we had a good day resort at DJ Girl. And, uh, oh, she yeah, puts, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah the, the morning, like a, the DJ chick. Yeah. yeah, and she put some music for us, just kind of like ecstatic dance. And um, She reminded me of Saldizia, uh, Sel uh, this artist that I know, but it was like her almost like doing like spoken word poetry over like just dope-ass beats. Mm -hmm. And um, she's from Israel. It was just, it was amazing. Yeah, she was very cool. So we took that. We went. For... We did. We did yoga first, right? Mm -hmm. And then we did like the concert, you know. The concert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was and, amazing. Yeah, and then around eleven, I felt how we we we, we dosed um, the the acid before the concert. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so like around ten, then around eleven, you started to feel some effects. Yeah. Yeah. So I started feeling something, and then you gave me a playlist, and <laughs> which was crazy. Talk about the playlist. Man, that playlist <laughs> was so dark. Because I remember I um, put the earphones on and um, something over my eyes, and I just lie down um, after I set the intention, right? And yeah. Yeah, we started the whole day with setting the intention, and... With you know, making sure that you know we're you know doing you know this ceremony of um, LSD for you know the the proper intention and mm -hmm. with yeah with the most positive of outcomes um, as we could possibly you know um, create yeah yeah and um, I put that place and it was so dark oh it's not it's not dark for me but it's like it's intense. You know, and like, and like, I didn't, I, for, I, I forgot how, <laughs> how intense I am. And this playlist is like, um, amazing for me. And I love yeah. getting into it. And it's just like really intense. But like for you, it was a bit much. Yeah. 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 So I think the first, I, I didn't have a time notion, but I think the first one or two hours with the playlist was, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a horror trip, but it was, you know, very sad. Mm. Um, I would see my heart very black, and everything around what I would see, everything would be dark and mm. and black and sad and painful. And I cried so much. Mm. I would uh, look at my body, um, how I would cry. I, w I wouldn't feel anything; just my body would cry, and mm. um, I would feel your hand touching my body. I was like, "Oh, look! There's this entity curse touching my body." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, so um, my consciousness, whatever it is, it had no feelings, either good or bad. It was just there, just consciousness observing. Mm. And then after I, I just, or my body couldn't handle it anymore. And we put another playlist and we started just, you know, talking and being present with each other. And um, it changed everything. Yeah. Um, the other playlist changed everything? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I felt more more safe felt like yeah you know the the music embraced yeah or hugged me cosmic hug is what the, <laughs> the word was oh man yeah. yeah um i felt cosmic love yeah that day with you i remember touching you and i wouldn't perceive you as a body anymore as an entity i would perceive you as energy i could see i remember 
telling you and telling myself what what you really are, really are energy and colors and mm. um, making cosmic love with you whatever that is because I cannot even describe it in words right. it's just merging energies it's, it's just so beautiful there was I, I really maybe it's just in my head but I really felt unconditional love for for you as energy um, and I cannot describe that because this is one thing that you learn in Tantra. You know, you learn it with, with your mind, what love is and what it isn't. It, it, it's not codependency. It's not expectation. It's not marriage or children. Convenience, or, yeah. Yeah, what love it's not. And yeah, you can understand it, but you cannot really feel it when you're in a relationship. You just put all those conditions on love and... Yeah, this experience showed me what unconditional love is. And I don't think that we women, or we in general, as, as humans, we can really feel unconditional love. It's just too hard for us. We have, we have so much programming you know, mm. to you know, persuade us to not feel unconditional love because un unconditional love is not something that is profitable <laughs> for mm -hmm. corporations. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, it takes... You know, taking a substance sometimes to allow us to feel what that unconditional love feels like, you know, and ideally, you know, um, the more that we meditate and more that we, you know, have these positive practices, we're able to tap into that unconditional love more and have to take acid less. <laughs> exactly. And this is one tool that could help you also if you want to dive more into sexuality. You have to feel unconditional love for you first because mm. um, if you feel unconditional love you're okay with your body with you as a human because you're not you're not perfect and you're never going to be perfect and looking taking that mirror putting in front of your yoni of your for those who don't know what a yoni is it's it's the sanskrit word for Vagine. everything that's <laughs> <laughs> well not for everything because the yoni mm. includes the vagina mm -hmm. the the pubic area and mm. everything that's inside uh, yeah. so everything that's, that's down there mm -hmm. um, it's yoni and putting that mirror in front of you and and looking at your yoni and saying I love you the way you are I love mm. you even though you're imperfect because mm. we are imperfect and um, then loving ourselves because if we don't love ourselves we are not able to give and receive love from totally. the others Totally. Yeah, and we don't do it. No. No, we don't do it. No, and that's that's one thing that um, I feel that taking these substances can do is allow us to um, feel love for ourselves, mm. allow us to find love for ourselves, and you know, and take that love and share it with others. You know, and every deep dive I've ever done on psychedelics has always been, you know, the ending message of love. You know, and loving yourself and loving others and being open to love. And like nowadays, it's so challenging to like talk about that and to, <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. it's like Mr. Rogers, like Mr. Rogers was like the dopest dude around, you know, in like the, the 80s and 90s. And he was like, love your neighbor and like be super cool to everybody. And like everyone thought he was this giant nerd, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, and everyone thought he was like so ingenuine. But really, he was just like, had this like pure heart. You know, mm -hmm. and he didn't need a substance to like tap into that pure heart 
you know, and like for us, because we have so much programming and we have so many, you know, um, of these uh, uh, influences that take us away from the purity that is in our heart, we have to take these substances to be able to feel that, you know, or otherwise go move to a mountaintop and meditate for 10 Mm -hmm. years. But these substances can allow us to like tap into that feeling, you know, in an afternoon and allow us to like know what that truly feels like, you know, and allow us to, you know, know what to strive for, you know, in our daily practices, you know, rather than, you know, having to move to a mountaintop, we can still live in society and still be a part of society, uh, but just take a substance every so often to be able to remind us of like what we're doing in society, uh, remind us of like how to live appropriately in society. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I want to say for me, for example, uh, I, I felt that layers that I had in my brain about my conditioning, they just disappeared. Mm. For example, I, um, I never had a clit orgasm with a guy. So the guy that would lick me and then they would lick me and then I would have a, a clit orgasm. Mm. And I remember the day after I could turn off my brain and receive a clit orgasm yeah. by licking. <laughs> and, oh, it was amazing. So you know, we were talking about this, one of my dreams would be to give retreats um, in Tantra and sexuality and combine it with psychedelics mm, to, totally. to show people that you can reach a the next level with, mm. with yourself or with a partner. Right. Because, um, you know, it turns off that programming that you have in your brain about what sexuality is, what's allowed and what not. Totally. Let's talk um, about like the, the European standard of psychedelics and drugs and how that differs from what we did in the forest, you know, mm-hmm. by taking a, a, taking acid in a really intentional and conscious way, you know, how that varies from what you have typically seen growing up, you know, in Europe. Um, I grew up with a lot of fear around psychedelics, um, like most of the people here, because youth, th- the first thing that you hear about psychedelics, if you take it, you are going to become a drug addict. Mm. Um, um, so yeah, I, I, I didn't touch drugs till I was, I don't know, I think 20 or something or mm. older. And then when I first tried, it was cocaine. So it was, imagine, and it was not even pure. And the people, when you take drugs in Europe, you just go to a party and you take drugs. Mm. And what, what kind of drugs are typically taken in Europe? Well, cocaine, uh, it's the most common one, mm. but because it's so expensive, um, less and less people take it. Mm. Um, I think at least I didn't touch that in years now. Sure. Um, so ecstasy, MDMA, uh, for sure, cannabis. Yeah. Um, that, that is what I know what mm-hmm. people take. And I'm sure there are other people are taking some uh, and trying some other stuff. But yeah, I, I never wanted to be part of this world because I had so much fear around it. And um, sure. I had friends tell me like, hey, we should try mushrooms or we should try this or that. And for me, I was like, no, I would never ever try this because I'm so afraid. I don't want to uh, have a, a bad trip, a horror trip, and then just become schizophrenic or something. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. A vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the rest of my life. Yeah, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. so this is how I thought about drugs. Mm-hmm. and how most of the people think about it and they associate drugs with heavy partying 
electronic music festivals and yeah how do you see them now after spending some time with me and spend some time with some intentional use um, how do you feel about mm. drugs and cannabis and psychedelics in general totally different I agree that if you take those drugs like people in Europe take them like for a party and so they, they can give you very bad horror trips because you're around so many people music is so loud so many so many outer factors that sure disturb your brain but if you take it in a conscious way if you're calm that day and clear and um, do a small ceremony and you know if you have good people around you and if you set an intention they can help you for sure um, in which ways can they help you well so for me it helped me to dive deeper into my meditation and become mm. more honest to myself because wow. we think we are very honest ourselves but we are not we are telling ourselves stories about what your partner did to you what um, what happened what you know about everything and these substances can help you to become more clear and more honest to yourself and in order to put the finger on the map mm -hmm. and you know because if you know exactly where you are then you can evolve and then you can change and grow otherwise you cannot sure totally yeah totally agree yeah, yeah I think these things are being so misused everywhere you know and like I didn't really realize <laughs> how intense it was in Europe until I was in Prague you know and like um and Prague is my first time in Europe you know and like and the people of Prague were just so magical and so amazing but also you know like you know so flippant about um drug use and now I don't know if that was because of they were just, you know, it was a, a moment in time where we were just like hanging out and having a good time. But, you know, also, you know, I've heard in other places in Europe that, you know, MDMA is taking like candy, you know, and it's just like something that they take without knowing the, the full power of it. And acid is taken, you know, you know, very, you know, flippantly, you know, which is an acid can give you the best day ever. And it can also allow you great insights you know like the the babas that you saw all around <laughs> all, all around you you know mm -hmm. and, and allowing you to like really find love for yourself you know and i think that you know with intentional use of these things we can further our society you know and that we can really get ourselves to a place to like really know what our human potential is you know and if we all are um, acknowledging this and all are aware of this and have open dialogue about how amazing these things are we can really you know tap into the power that exists in, inside of us yeah one problem that we have in europe um, is that we don't have people to provide the right substances mm. pure substances totally. and we don't have the knowledge about how much should we take uh in which environment yeah in general Totally. We don't have a formula for that, and that's why I think that your book is so valuable for, for us to understand in first place what are the substances and how we should take it, and um, yeah, to have a point of reference. Totally. Yeah, yeah I, I think, I think generally for me personally, like for MDMA, I think, you know, 50 milligrams is a good dose to be able to, well, first of all, when you're doing drugs, it should always be measured. 
Um, you know, you should always have a scale. You know, you should always know exactly how much you're taking. And you should always test the, the drugs that you're taking with a testing kit. You can get a testing kit from Dance Safe, you know, which mm. is, you know, really straightforward and, you, you know, easy to use. And uh, once you test the drugs, uh, making sure that they're not um, poisonous, um, you can dose them appropriately. And for me personally, like 50, 50 milligrams of MDMA is a great initial dose, you know. And once you have 50 milligrams, you can have another 50 uh, waiting for two hours later to see mm. if you want to go, you know, deeper. And if you know that you want to do a therapeutic session, um, it's all based upon your body weight. But generally, a therapeutic session with MDMA is around 100 milligrams. You know, and if you're taking 100 milligrams, you'd have to really be intentional with you know your time and space in in the, with that with that substance. And with acid, I feel like you know 100 to 150 micrograms is plenty <laughs> mm -hmm. you know like i mean how do you how do you feel on 150 i think it was just the right amount yeah i think more because i had a few moments where where i would feel maybe i'm i'm losing control but then i would go back to my consciousness and i'd be like okay yes you have to um just slow down and mm. you're gonna be fine and you can control this. Totally. I think more if you take more, or if I would take more with my body weight, mm. it would be too much for me, and less would be just mm, yeah. yeah, not really, not yeah, really breaking thresholds. Yeah. Just the right amount, mm -hmm. especially for the people who are afraid of drugs, they should start with a lower dose. Totally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you can still have that feeling of control. Totally. Because this is what scared me the most in the past about drugs, not being able to keep that control over mm -hmm. my body and over my mind. Well, it's mm -hmm. also like, it's, it's nice to know that you don't have to have control also, you know, it's really, at, at, with certain substances, mm -hmm. for instance, with 5-MeO-DMT, like, you want to control it so bad, but once you release total control and surrender to the substance, you feel the bliss of the universe. You feel like, <sighs> bliss that's so deep and so amazing and so intense that you, you can't even describe it, you know? And, like, that is something that we all need to be able to have access to, is be able to feel what the bliss of the universe feels like so we know, like, what is available to us, you know, when we are intentional and we are conscious with our, our daily lives, you know? So if we are, you know, working towards that bliss, we don't have to take a drug after, after a certain point. After a certain point... You know, our bliss is daily life, you know, and these drugs just exist just, just to show us, you know, what is possible if we are intentional and conscious about, you know, what we we, we consume and what we provide, you know, to the world. Mm, for sure. That, that's very important to understand that you take those drugs as tools and you, you cannot take them on a daily basis. So you have to have a, a good balanced life here and... Yeah, they're just helping you, but they cannot give you another life. No, they're, they're just, they're, 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 psychedelics are not a path. Psychedelics yeah. just show you what the path is that you can take. Mm -hmm. You know, and like a lot of people perceive psychedelics as being like uh, a panacea to solve all of their problems. But all psychedelics do is lift all the veils of society to allow us to see like what true reality is. You know, mm -hmm. and like what true reality is 
is, you know, that we are in control, you know, and that we all have, you know, this unique power inside of us to be, you know, whatever version of ourselves that we want to be, you know, and as, as we, you know, explore these things deeper and deeper, we realize, you know, how much power we do have, you know, and we stop, you know, surrendering our power to others. And we, once we stop surrendering our power to others, we realize that, you know, we can really have control over, you know, our reality and not, you know, not give our control to others. Mm, for sure, for sure. It's a very interesting path, you know, um, and I'm super happy that I met you to get to know these substances, even though there are some others that I didn't try yet, but just to be open in the first line. Totally. I'm just super happy that I met you mm -hmm. to explore my sexuality and to be more aware, aware of the female um, body and sexuality and how I can be more intentional and conscious, you know, what mm -hmm. I am with. Not only just, you know, a sexual partner, but with, you know, a friend and um, someone who I can really trust and to um, just spend, share time with. Mm. Thank you. Mm, thank <laughs> you. All right, let's, let's end with um, five things you're grateful for. We go back and forth. Um, I'm grateful for good sex. <laughs> uh, I'm grateful for a healthy body to be able to have good sex. I am mm, grateful for um, this amazing view in Vienna. Yes, uh, I'm grateful for nature and all the um, amazing um, learning lessons that nature provides for us. Mm. I'm grateful for um, all my bad experiences in the past because they teach me how to grow. Wow, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I am grateful for the freedom um, that I have on a daily basis. I'm grateful for um, the good life, especially the good food that we have mm. in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am grateful for um, the full spectrum of experiences that I've experienced um, this past 10, 10 months and that have allowed me to appreciate um, every detail of um, my daily existence. Mm. I am grateful for my future. Mm. <laughs> I am grateful for um, my ability to enjoy the present and to really uh, embrace, you know, the, um, the reality that exists. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> All right, girl, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm, Bye. -bye. Bye.